and welcome to Circumstantial Failures. My name is Matthew and I'm your host. And for those that are new to the podcast, we interview various fantastic guests every week to discuss some of their personal experiences that haven't necessarily gone according to plan. And while some of those experiences may not be down to any personal shortcomings, but possibly more to do with some of the circumstances that surrounded them. Today, we've got an extra special guest, Joanna Housen, not just because she's agreed to come onto the podcast, but because she's also my partner in real life as well. Joe and I started Lashbrook Lassies back in 2012 and we were manufacturing yogurt drinks inspired by the Indian Lassie. We actually recorded this episode during lockdown in the UK and Lashbrook Lassies had ceased trading in 2016. So if you're wondering why we're struggling to remember exactly what happened, it's because it all happened quite a few years ago. Nevertheless, I still think it's a great story about the incredible challenges of starting a business and particularly starting a business in the chilled, perishable sector which we decided to operate in. But before we get into the episode, I just wanted to apologise for the difference in sound levels. The episode was recorded some time ago and as you'll hear, I decided to go straight into with my first question, though I hope you enjoy it all the same. So what were what were Lashbrook Lassies? Um, you know, what were they similar to and kind of what was your competition? So Lashbrick Lassies were inspired by uh, the Indian Lassie, which is a yogurt drink. Um, so they'd put spices, um, something that you would know if, if you're not so familiar with a Lassie would be the mango Lassie. So that's often something served um, in the soft drinks area in an, in an Indian restaurant in the UK. Um, in terms of what they're similar to, if we're talking about um, where you can buy them, um, there, there are lassies around um, within some supermarkets. Um, in a broader sense of what's available, yogurt drinks have, have been a bit of a boom, really. So there's some drinks such by Utiful, which is like kefir. So that's taken from different culture, um, cultures, playing with the word cultures, with the yogurt drink. Um <laughs> And there, there actually is. There's a lassie back on the shelves. I guess Yakult is what everybody thinks of when they think of a, a kind of yogurt drink, kind of a breakfast thing. So that's kind of the UK culture. And we were just trying to bring something that we hadn't really explored so much. It was it was from a um, from a lovely time in India. <laughs> Matt and I were, were kind of there for three months and um, just thought we'd never tasted anything like this. Wow, what a fun opportunity if we could kind of start something um, in the UK. Yep. Uh, yep. And, 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 uh, and what, what, so before you, you started Lash for Lassies, or before we started Lash for Lassies, what were you doing before mm -hmm. that? Well, uh, before, way before that, I was a teacher yeah. for a number of years, head of drama in a, in a school in East London, in a secondary school. Uh, then Matt and I, um, we got together like-minded wanted to go and play and have some fun so after kind of six seven years in teaching we both went off to New Zealand for a year um so then I was kind of playing around I started a photography business which was the first time I'd kind of started something and that kind of got us just talking about you know doing something ourselves and making money so it kind of started in New Zealand and then we had a bit of a cycle tour that was the link to, to India and then we were really thinking okay what what is it that we could do together Hmm. And what was it that kind of 
So you talked about the photography business Mm -hmm. and that was, I guess that's what you would describe as maybe a side hustle. And then uh, I was hustling. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then, um, and then you sort of, the last bit lassies was more sort of a full throttle attempt at a business. And what, what, what was it that kind of made us or made you want to start a, you know, a proper startup business rather than sort of doing something a bit more on the side? I think it was, I mean, taking time away from, from like the, the, the hustle, the other hustle of a main, <laughs> uh, just, you know, a main job that can take a lot of time and, and energy. For me, certainly with the photography business, it's like, this is a lot of fun. Um, I, I kind of learned a lot in terms of, you know, kind of pricing and, and what kind of products, um, you know, your bread and butter products, you kind of have that like kind of low price opportunity. And then I had those kind of big high hitters and then six, seeing the money come in was really fun, um, which I hadn't really done before. From there, I think together we just thought this is, you know, let's just try it. Um, we were reading a lot at the time. We were reading and listening together to some kind of biographies of um, some, some great business owners. Um, Steve and I Jobs, think, Richard Branson. <laughs> yeah, there were some women in there, I think, as well. The lovely, she's got an OBE. She was with You're Fired. Who is, Deborah who Meaden? Is, no, not Deborah Meaden. <laughs> oh, the, the West Ham... Yeah, Maybe. yeah. Anyway, I read her about her. Something Bradley. Anyway, yeah, that was an autobiography. Deborah, Deborah Bradley. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think just uh, just time to think about it and, and to really kind of structure it. And the fact we we're in injury and we were talking about yoga immediately, we were thinking about Matt's friend who is a farmer who had um a dairy farmer we didn't know that he'd finished his dairy farm at the time, but he had a farm. So we started kind of just pinging an email to say, you know. It, could we come and live with you for a little bit which immediately very lucky for us um gave us a way in to an idea that we thought we could just we had a bit of money left over that we'd saved that could kind of help us just kickstart it because that's what we needed we needed a little bit of money just to get going hmm. karen brady oh there you go yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm sorry karen and <laughs> yeah, yeah. women in business in general i've, I've learned uh, to be much better about it but yeah so how did you actually physically start making the yogurt lassies oh, and, yes. uh, and where did you actually where were you first selling them so we're purists Matt and I and so uh, we started off actually it's because we were actually um, we made some friends in in India and um, we were shown how to to make yogurt properly so we thought let's we didn't buy any yogurt everything was from scratch so we made the yogurt got fresh ingredients it was all about something that was completely handmade really something that that we could say we've made this entirely and we've made it at Lashbrook Farm that was the whole thing so we made it in Oxfordshire we also sold it for the first time the first it was on the open farm day wasn't it because I just remember that we had we bought some big red balloons and bunting so the first first little go we tested it on um some some locals around us and they were very friendly and told us some of them would disgusting we had about 20 different flavors able to narrow it down i think we had narrowed it down to three by that time so we were kind of set to go um at an open farm day do you remember some of the 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 other ideas as to where we might sell them or how we might sell them <laughs> oh i thought it was about other business ideas <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no there was only one <laughs> <laughs> some other cookie ones uh mm-hmm. where where we might sell them so yeah. i think initially we were like farm shops weren't we i mean the whole thought no, right we at the weren't. beginning we were 
we were going to serve them were we? like freshly made. Oh, yes, that's right. I spent a whole, gosh, this is reminiscing this time, isn't it? So, so, so much was about reading, researching and coming up with as many ideas as we could. And uh, yeah, it was going to be like a, either like um, on the street, like a street vendor, or we were talking about selling it direct to, to curry houses as well, um, I remember. So mm. yeah, it was like the twofold kind of almost like an ice cream van, but a, a kind of lassie, a lassie mobile, mm. um, or even like one of those push ones. We were looking at kind of where could we, or, or one of those Dutch bikes, <laughs> um, but refrigerated. Yeah, we, we had all kinds of all kinds of thoughts really, and we continued to kind of push like, well, where does this sit? Because it was relatively new. Um, in terms of particularly the spices and the way that we were packaging, we felt it was something a bit different to like your morning beverage. Um, it was more like a healthy treat, a healthy snack. That's how we were trying to position it, um, even though it was in a kind of drink section, I guess. But that's later. I guess we'll talk mm. about where we got to in just, just a gif. Right, I'll, I'll do the uh, All questions. Right. All right, <laughs> carry on. Uh, so, yeah, what, 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 made, what made you decide, you know, not to sell in it direct? but instead sort of make them and bottle them. What was it that kind of made us go down that route? Oh, it just, it was pretty, the, the thoughts, I guess because, I, oh, that's right, we're looking at festivals because I'm a big festival or I was a big festival attender. Um, and so that kind of thought that that you could have a van and kind of make it all fresh, it, it was a real faff. Um, and just kind of digging a bit deeper into people that kind of do smoothies, like we know like in the, you know, in shopping precincts, there's a kind of smoothie maker. Um, and it just seemed that, I mean, from the onset, I guess I was interested in in the packaging because I, I like design. I like making stuff. So it wasn't just the flavours in the kitchen table aspect that was appealing. It was how could we make something that looked cool? And to make something look cool, then it would be nice to kind of package it and to be able to really put a story on it um and then I guess that links back to the photography business it's you know it's really drawing people in through through the design yeah so how much do you reckon obviously we put in money at different points into the business mm -hmm. but kind of what were some of the the big chunks of money that and how much did we put into the to the business um so yeah I think I had about five grand from me um I think the big chunk God bless Matt's parents. They gave us 30 grand, <laughs> which was incredible um, because they were able to do that. I don't think my parents would be able to kind of scratch that together. So, yeah, like I think um, just really lucky. I think we would have struggled to do anything more than kind of selling once a week at a farmer's market. You know, you can't do much without having mm. a, a kind of big chunk. And what did you, you know, what what did that money sort of go towards? Yeah, I mean, as we were saying, like, it, it was exciting the prospects of making money, so it wasn't just going to be a side hustle, but, okay, how are we going to um, make this into something bigger that, that we could live off? That, that was the dream. We spent about six grand, <laughs> which seems quite a lot, on a, a filling machine because we were doing everything by hand and we started to be able to sell quite a lot, which was great, which is just going to kind of farmers markets but trying to do it at a bigger scale. So um we were like, okay, let's let's start 
kind of just upping the processing, just just get that done quicker and more efficiently. So we needed, a, firstly, we needed a place to do that. We couldn't do that in the farmhouse anymore. Um, we were, it was from a kitchen very quickly. We, we made friends with a, a lady who had a creamery, very generous, but, but we were kind of putting rent into that. So we had that filling machine, that was about six grand. Um, we got a machine that's put the caps on, that was about two grand. Um, and then just all the other stuff around that, just setting up. Um, so um, I guess that would be the kind of labels, all the, the the other kind of mixing equipment, ingredient and stuff. That was about two grand. Um, mm. th- those were the big hitters. Uh, all that stainless steel, because um, it's all about getting your hygiene rating. And we are proud to say that we've been all the way through hygiene rating five. We were top notch. <laughs> Teachers' yeah, pets yeah. all the way. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I'll, no. I'll, get, I'll get to the biggest achievements later, Jay. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Very proud of laughs> <it. laughs> How are you filling the bottles before you got the uh, filling machine? With a big fat jug. <laughs> it's like a five litre. Was it five litre? Yeah, yeah. It's a big five litre jug. So, And we were filling it to the top. Um, so Matt often had to, I mean, I, I was quite strong, but when it's that full and trying to get it into the bottles, he'd do like the first third and then I'd, I'd kind of finish. So yeah, it was filling by hand. Um, and also you, you end up kind of uh, losing some in, in lots of filling up and yeah. So it's about being efficient. So did you ever kind of make a profit on the lassies or how much, you know, how much did it cost to, to make the lassie and, and were you turning a profit on those? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we were selling them in a kind of farm, farmer's market and on, actually. We were setting our price. Um, pricing structure was something that we were trying to work really hard on because it is pretty opaque when you're trying to look at um, what the breakdown is for, for other, other kind of businesses. For us, we know we needed to pitch it around 250, any higher than that, and we'd just kind of we'd lose people. Um, but the ingredients were like 90, 90p for the ingredients and packaging and that was doing quite a lot of testing trying to get different bottles and, and looking at kind of what what we were using we ended up buying kind of um bulk ingredients as well still trying to keep it fresh it was actually we were using kind of ice cream the gourmet ice cream ingredients we needed a shelf life for more than like three four days which is what it was when it was in our kitchens even though we're being super clean because it's a chill drink um we were just finding it was going off super fast so extending the shelf life was the big one for us and if we were going to make this work and being able to sell it in shops not just not just to hand direct customers b2b so b2c we needed to um, extend that shelf life so we looked initially at um hpp high pressure processing or cold press there is a brand called cold press as you'll probably know and that's about keeping everything absolutely fresh but it extends the shelf life in the test that we did and we did some tests with them it was like it was about 30 days which was really exciting it did mess up the quality and this is the whole thing as we started to to kind of get things bigger trying to keep the texture and flavors as similar and as true as we could to what we were trying to go for was really tricky hpp just made it kind of thick and it got a bit gloopy i guess it was the pressure with the yogurt um it was behaving kind of strangely so we, we had to ditch that idea um sadly it was like what compromises do you want to make like as you as you go bigger and the compromise that kind of hurt a little bit but we had to do it was to put potassium sorbate in it um immediately that takes out the kind of super fresh off the streets here this is great for you um and it kind of knocks off whole foods because they wouldn't be accepting anything with potassium sorbate in it but we had to do it to extend that shelf life so manufacturing costs (laughs) i guess additionally that was about 28 28p 
Yeah, so, well, I suppose that's a good opportunity to to explain how, how we kind of, you know... Scaled um, up. Scaled up from mm-hmm. manufacturing from, you know, within a creamery to something a bit bigger. We just got to a point where we're just like, this this is getting tricky we're creating a lot and then there and we're going to have to distribute it as well so what's our distribution and there are all these questions these are all very fun though because this was happening quite quickly and we and we were getting attention and getting we were being able to sell it so this was all exciting for us happening quite quickly we we spent um quite a while just trying to find a manufacturers that would manufacture on a small enough it's all relative small enough scale that that we knew that we could sell um without stuff going to waste and that we could afford of course um and it was matt it was you actually that found the the people in wales really really kind people and also worked with a few other startups so um really large manufacturers uh particularly focused on kind of um butter and brandy butter for the whole of the uk um but they kindly um just worked with us on on that kind of, of just scaling up to the next level um, still using some of our equipment, but doing it within their um, with their area and uh, pallet packing, like things got big. I mean, we, we tried to do some of that in the creamery, but it couldn't, couldn't match that scale at all. So yeah, that was definitely next level. Um, but obviously the costs would be added to that. Yeah, so per bottle, it worked out about an extra 28p mm. that was going on top of the 90p just mm. for the, the, the cost ingredients. So in theory, we say it's about £1.15 or something, um, we could have still been making money sort of selling it at two fifty, you know, if we were selling it direct. But we were we were finding there was issues when we were starting to approach distributors and big sort of multinationals. Um, so we, we were doing really well with, with kind of selling in um, direct to customers. We were doing kind of festival. We were doing festivals, but we were kind of selling kind of bottles from chilled. Um, we were doing uh, food markets, farmers markets, food festivals, covering all of that aspect, and then started to, to get into small independent stores, which was really fun. Then we were like, okay, so we're at the position now. We're working with these manufacturers in Wales. We're ready. We're ready to scale up. Let's see if we can get a big fat order and get this ball really rolling. So we started to to really, we spent ages creating these really lovely sample boxes, making everything look really pretty, knowing and speaking and lots of emails with, with different, so Selfridges, Sainsbury's, pitching in, having chats with the buyers there. Um, the The best almost and and this is where it was like starting to have warning signs really was booth and Ocado. they were the two um with Ocado, we kind of sent we had a chat with a salesperson and it went quiet for a little while i'll come back to that we went to booths if you're in the south you might not know who booths are they are a high-end supermarket in kind of northern england um similar no even higher i pitch them higher than waitrose so I just, in terms of how we are kind of labelling and, and kind of pitching it, it would have sat really nicely in there. And we had a great chat with the buyer. We, we went to meet him and um, it was a him at that point. And he was like, these are great. These look great. But can you do a mango lassie? <laughs> and as we were talking about, our, we were kind of trying to play around with other flavours, which was we thought was in our favour um, and thought they were delicious. Um and we were like, yeah, yeah, okay, we could do that. Um, but this is kind of what, what we're after. But uh, let's just go for it. Yes, 
please, we can put some black pepper with a mango and suddenly it becomes a lot more exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's as close as, as close as we got. And we followed up with the Ocado buyer and he was just like, again, it was another he at this point. Um, it's just a bit too kooky for our mainstream consumers. I think they're going to be confused by by what you're getting here, which surprised us because we were getting such a strong kind of sales and, and um just engagement really from from the independent stores as well they really liked them and they, and they were selling so like oh are we are we missing a mark here are we gonna have to make kind of strawberry vanilla and and a mango one or a chocolate one um so yeah it suddenly that that was a bit of a knockback and I think that was quite a surprise because it was going so well and it felt a bit like it was a glass ceiling it felt like I didn't see that coming um mm. go ahead because what what was the so yeah we were set you know with the manufacturing costs and the the ingredients and packaging it was about one pound 22 but the issue was is that the the retailers and you know the potential distributors that we were hoping to get to work with they wanted to buy at sort of 50 percent of the retail price (laughs) yeah so suddenly it was one pound 25 we were going to be selling to uh these kind of multinationals and um and that didn't include rent, salary, uh, uh, marketing. We didn't sort of factor any of those costs in. So, and now it must. It's worth saying as well. Like our thirty grand, we we were that was coming to an end by that point in terms of investment. Like we we um, so in terms of our class, in terms of the um, chilled food to go area, we knew that they by the looks of how they were kind of ramping up their marketing and where they were going. And it, even one of those was actually in that Welsh manufacturing. They clearly had a whole heap of, of investment to fall back on. So they were driving, like, this is kind of what we were trying to do, but we just didn't have the the capital to really start doing huge sample giveaways. And we were seeing that on social media. Like, we knew that was really important to, to make your brand look big, to make it appealing and to look like you're everywhere. Um, and we were trying to do that through just kind of building relationships really independently um, and just trying to look cool, which which worked for us, as we were saying. There's some, some good things happened to us. But, yeah, I'd, as soon as we found out and we were really having trying to work out what that figure was and we didn't know until we actually had those face to face discussions, even though we had some really great chats with some very uh, lovely mentors, I guess we'll call them. Um, it wasn't clear what that price would be until it was was thrown to us. Mm. Um, we tried a bit of, we did try a little bit of uh, <laughs> back and forth to bring it down, but it's just, you know we've got got no hope at, at that mm. point. We're just like we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to take that kind of hit, um, and we don't have any money left. So how are we gonna what are we gonna do now? Yeah. Um, that, that was where we were at at that point. Yeah, I mean that yeah. that sort of leads to the next question, which is you know knowing what you know now. Would would you have started Lashbrook Lassies, and if so, what what would you have done differently? Which you've sort of touched on a bit. Well, yeah, but I, it's it's been really fun talking about this, as you can tell. Like it, it's at the back of my head. The quite you know, been it's been a while. Uh, lots of life and a pandemic's happened, so it's been hard to draw it back into to the front of my mind. But it was a really really fun time, and the fact that we were working together. Um, and I think that might not work for everyone, but I, I thought we were a super team and I really enjoyed that. And I I would do it again 
if we were if history was repeating itself would i do it differently it would have to be a different product like if you're going to choose a yogurt drink you're in that space what what mm. can you do um and we wanted something that was our own i mean we were looking at could we could we sell it in and work with a, another company that might be interested in buying it we hadn't proven ourselves enough to the to the big global dairy industry leaders that we'd been talking to they thought we were cute and they thought we were being brave they used the word brave but we were not we were not kind of proving that it that it worked in a, in a bigger scale it was more of a kind of lovely little boutique offering hmm. so yeah i guess to scale something up if it was in the food industry which we've learned about now it would definitely be long life um i do like I do like the fact it's food because there's a need and a and it's quite an exciting area to work in. Different to the photography stuff, which is kind of a bit slower. This was this was all about going a, a bit more pace. Because mm. we, I mean, we sort of mentioned if you know if we were to do it again, it would be more like a, a UHT, you know, sort of milk alternative. But maybe. I wouldn't drink that now. That's no. I, but it is worth saying. Both of us are vegans. You've not put that down as question. And I just just for those that, Sorry. that <laughs> that's all right. I mean for us Can't working, get the interviews these days. <laughs> well, just um so we were on that farm in Oxfordshire and they're the most gorgeous Angus cows. So he turned it he'd stopped doing dairy and he'd turned it into a kind of Angus, so so looking at kind of high end steaks for little loves. Um we 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 saw kind of three cohorts of it's not cohorts of, of of cows young young lovely little cows and um so we started to become vegetarian while we were there but yeah I don't think I'd do I certainly wouldn't do milk again I mm. was also talking about well I am thinking about the earth and mother earth itself I was bothered by it. we we chose plastic bottles in the end because they're recyclable but um yeah one stop drinks i'm not a fan of like we we get our we've got our recyclable coffee cups and we take them to cafes and stuff so that whole idea of packaging just uh, one drink i think mm. i don't like it. it it started to make me feel uncomfortable the more i was kind of reading and thinking about what we're doing and seeing enormous pallet worths of plastic bottles for the just one shot of mm. a drink i just found that that started to jar with me so mm. I think we'd have to do something different because it it would be have to be a lot more earth friendly. Mm. And we um we sort of spoke about the we've spoken about the 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 possible cultural appropriation that could have been damn right in, implied by yeah. what we're doing, and actually we probably may no. have taken a different angle if we'd have done it th- yeah. again today. Yeah, agreed, agreed, and yeah, yeah. I just don't think we'd, I mean, it'd be interesting. Maybe we will do another business again. I think it will look very different. It will be something very different. And uh, we've, we've learned a lot and changed, matured, I guess, as well. Um, and a bit wiser, mm. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak for yourself. And, um, and just, to, just to end with, um, if somebody was like, I still want to start a business. I've listened to everything you said, Joe, but I still want to, give it a go what Mm. what would what would be probably the the first thing in my the first thing in my head is that Matt and I are really grateful that we have managed to buy a flat but we're like 39 and um most of our friends kind of had property a bit earlier 
I know if you're if you're feeling in your in your twenties, like that probably feels out of reach anyway at the moment. I know how you feel, but like we we all of our money just went. So um, it it is important. I mean, I was coming from the arts. That's that's kind of my background, and I was kind of anti anti business, anti capitalism. <laughs> um, I you know I've, I've learned to see it. It is important to really think about what you want and and your plans for the future. I'm I'm happy. I'm I am happy where where we are, but you need to really think. If I lose all that I have, is that is that cool? And where would I like to be in five years if this doesn't work out? Do I need to have some con- contingency plans? So for me, it was to fall back on teaching. I was like, well, even if I we end up and literally nothing is in, I can go to work and get work next week and bring in enough for kind of rent which was a really sweet safe position really for us so that was a lovely net so I would say go for it make sure you do your research plan read talk to people but get yourself some job to help prop yourself up it's all very brave to go I'm going in um Unless you just you're living at your parents, then go for it. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, Lovely yeah, parents, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think trying to do it, all, and especially if you're living in London, that rent is a killer. So um, you'll be in a house with six people otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, have fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jay, for you know speaking with me, and uh, yeah, until next time. Until next time. I say the sign off. Oh. (laughs) The guest doesn't. I'll say thanks for having me. (laughs) All right. Cheers then, Joe. Thanks. Bye. Bye.